0: this ministry. This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I would love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So, would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you and enjoy. How are we doing? We are awesome. Hey, just want to acknowledge live stream as well, because today, uh, this weekend, this particular day is going to be pretty special and has a lot to do uh, with you being in the room. Okay. And so if you're participating online, we're sorry, we'd love to be uh, with you. But today we're going to do something like Pastor Christian talked about the, the end of the service It's going to be pretty special for some of us. And it all has to do with, I think, with uh, with this Sharpie right here, with this permanent marker. Uh, let me ask you a question really quick. Anybody ever got in trouble with a Sharpie? Okay, so, so the guy who just said, yeah, I don't want to hear your story because it seems inappropriate. Okay, okay. How many of you guys like smell the smell of a permanent marker? Anybody? You are. You guys see, there are a few of you. There are a few of you. I got I to gotta admit, though, you smell it and you're like, oh, and you want to smell it again, <laughs> right? Which is the case for all bad smells, by the way. You know, when you smell something bad, you're like, hey, 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 smell this. That's what we do. We are generous with our bad smell, right? We're all, all the time. Now, it has a lot to do with this because I think that, uh, not the smell of this, but but just the essence of what uh, we use a permanent marker for. Because I think that all of us, uh, if you don't get anything, all of us uh, want to be permanent markers and want to smell bad. No, not really. Some of us just naturally do. Which is most of us. But uh, I think we all want to be. Here's what's funny is I kind of did some uh, research on this idea of like how did, was this permanent marker uh, phenomenon come to be? You know, how did like Sharpie get invented? And, and so Sharpie on their website have got this purpose statement, which is pretty profound. Can I read this to you? It's, it's, it's awesome. Okay? It says here, it says, at Sharpie, we stand for uh, more than just markers. Okay, more than just markers. Okay, it says, the permanent marker born for unique, unruly, courageous, outrageous self-expression that never, ever fades from glory. (laughs) The Sharpie website, okay, the original, the bold, original, genuine article, the cultural icon of permanent markers. We're still talking about a pen, right? (laughs) Not, Not a person, like wow, they got a sense of purpose. Now, why do I think that purpose and the permanent marker uh, conversation has a lot to do with you? Because the truth is that if you love or lead anyone around you, like if, you have, if you're a parent, if you're a friend, if you're a coworker, if you're, you have a roommate, if you have people around in your life that you're trying to help and care and love and lead, guess what you want? You want to have a lasting impact in their lives. You do. You want to, in one sense, leave a permanent mark on their lives. You're like, that's cheesy, but it's true. (laughs) You do. So you and I want to be basically what? Permanent markers. We do. And hopefully for the good. Because there have been a lot of people in our lives, and we have a lot of stories, that people have left a mark permanently, and it was not for good. It was for evil. It It was a sad mark. But you and I have a sense of purpose. And and so today, what I want to do is I want to lead us to this conversation that Jesus wants to have with you about the truth. And that is that you and I were born for deep purpose, more than you could even imagine. The sense of you wanting to leave a permanent mark in people's lives is not just your ambition or your personality. And because you're an Enneagram 3, if you know Enneagram, that's not it. It's, 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 it's not that. It's more than that. You have eternity, a sense of longing, a sense of being uh, remembered in your heart. You were born with that kind of deep purpose. And so I just want you to know that a lot of Jesus' stories have so much to do with that. I want to take you into one which you might go, oh, hold on, hold on. I know this story, but and I know how it kind of goes, so I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. This is the right interpretation of this, bro. Because I think, I mean, you look like you maybe are from, you know, not from here kind of thing. You know, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's your first time. You're like, hey, I think he's Latino. He's fine. Okay, no, I'm not Latino. No, no. Uh, I wish I was though. You know, I really wish I was, but I'm actually Pakistani, which is the second best, you know, race. Anyways, but no, they're not really. But it's Indians. Not, not, not at all. Okay. The good thing about Mosaic is we have so many different races here, and, and I want to be all of them. So, um, but I do want to have friends like that. So here's the deal, though. At Mosaic, though, when we look at Scripture, what we do is we try to look at it uh, first, and we go, okay, this is what it looks like, and this is what it sounds like in a Western um, commentary. Like, this is how you interpret it. But when you go deeper into the Scriptures, you find that it was written in an Eastern context. And people and Jesus taught in an Eastern context. And there was so much more meaning in what they were saying. And so the Scriptures are never to be taken just like, oh, this surface. Because surface, even in the surface level, Scripture reading can transform your life and change your life. But if you go deeper, amen, it will radically shift your thinking. And so what I want to do is I want to do something with this passage of Scripture, which you might think which has nothing to do with purpose, but has so much to do with purpose. And I want to do this, not this trick, but there's this Jewish um, idea of turning the gem. Uh, it, rabbis would take Scripture and they would uh, compare it to a gem and they would say, hey, we take, this, we take Scripture and we put it against a light, and then we start turning the Scriptures around and to see a particular... Um, a view of the scriptures, a particular part of the gem that we never saw before. And so what I want to do is I want to take a story that you might go, okay, I know the story, I know the story, but I want to turn the gem just a little bit. And if you don't mind me just giving you a little bit more insight in, in Eastern context and how an Eastern person sitting there watching this, listening to Jesus, what, how it would change their perception of what's happening in their life, but also in the world. So you guys ready for that? Okay. If you're not, just say yes. Yes. All right, let's just jump right in, okay? We're in a story, uh, we're in a series called Tell the Story. It's a series about the fact that we, we have to look at stories and look at our stories and own our stories. Brene Brown, um, uh, you know, a thought leader in, in psychology, talks about how if we own our story, we... we uh, we get to write the ending of it. And I think for so many of us, uh, we are convinced that our story does not matter. Uh, and I want you to maybe go deeper into your story, not a surface. I want you to tell the story of your spiritual story and maybe even sit in it a little bit and see how God has moved in you and through you and how you need to share that story. So that's the whole series. This is the whole idea that you tell uh, your God's story to people because knowledge, 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 um, your, your personal knowledge can be someone else's, personal knowledge. But man, your personal story can't be someone else's. And your faith has to rest on a personal story, not in someone else's knowledge. So let's jump right in, okay? I know it's a lot. You're like, okay, there's so much he's saying. He's got to be Latino. All right, anyways, okay. (laughs) Joking. All right, so John chapter 4. Can you say that? John chapter forward jumping right into it this is the story some of you guys like I know the story I know what's going let's start reading it It says so he came to a town in Samaria called Sakkar, near the plot ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph Uh, Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired as he was from the journey sat down by the what well it was what about noon and a what kind of woman Samaritan Samaritan woman you're like I know the story I know this story. A Samaritan woman came down to draw water. Uh, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a what? Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you You would have asked him, and he would have given you what? Living water. Some of you guys like, I know the story. This, this is the story of the shady lady uh, in 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 the Gospels. This is part of that. This is the this is the woman who was like, uh, I know what happens after that. Uh, What happens after that is is that Jesus brings up her love life. Remember that? And he was like, Hey, where's your husband? And she goes, I don't have a husband. And he goes, Yeah, you've had five husbands. You're right. You can't keep a marriage. Right? And then, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we f- figure out that she starts deflecting, and she says something else, and then Jesus talks to her some more, and all of a sudden, she's like, she's convinced that he's the Messiah, because, he, uh, because she just takes him at his word, and then she goes back into town, and tells everybody, and they come back, and they say, hey, um, uh, man, this guy has to be the Messiah, because he told me everything I've ever done. Which is interesting because I mean, like if you're if you are that if you take that interpretation, everybody knows that you were married five times. Like everybody knows. You know what I'm saying? It's all over TikTok. Like it's happening, it's happened. Okay, everybody knows. Everybody knows your, your business, okay? But what's interesting though is that when we read this, our interpretation is that Jesus is the person who comes to us and can give us pure uh, refreshment, right? He's asking for water, he's like giving her living water. So the big idea here is if you come to Jesus, you, you can have this living water that will give you life. And that's so true, so true, so true. And we can take that, put it in our pocket practice that, that's all good. But if we jump into it a little bit more, we go, okay, who are these people and what is really happening here? And so let's just turn the gem just a little bit here, okay? So this uh, this idea of of this story ter- being more than it is, is actually... Um, uh, you know, written about and talked about by Jewish commentators. And there's one guy in particular, Marty Solomon, who leads the Bema Project. And he talks a lot about this as well. But I think it's really profound for you and I to just dump, dig in just a little deep because of what she actually says. So as of right now, what we've read is we kind of know the story, okay? Samaritan woman, he comes to a well, and he starts talking to her about that. And then, then what happens, though, is that she responds. She responds, and she says this. Sir, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. He just told her that I, if you just knew who I was, bro, if I just knew, if you just knew, if you just knew who I was, I'm important, then you would ask me. And he, she just keeps on going, and she says, sir. Uh, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? And then she says something which is so interesting, uh, strange to us, but not to the conversation that's that's happening there. She says, are you greater than our father who? Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock. See, first of all, the part of the story is it's not just a well. It's a particular well. Jesus didn't just stop at any well in Samaria. There are a lot of them. He goes to this particular well, which is called Jacob's well. That means that this well, this space, is connected to Abraham. It's connected to Jacob. To Joseph's bones are buried around there. This is very intentional, what's happening here. Jesus goes to that particular well at that particular time. And she is not just any woman because what we think is she's a, what, a shady lady, basically you can't keep whatever. Or she has this, you know, she's going at noontime, which you might have been told. And it's true that the noon is not the time to go and get water because ladies would go together. But she's all alone. She's getting water. But see, what's, what's happening here is she's not just any woman. She's a Samaritan woman who, who is having a very spiritual conversation. This woman is not a woman who's just like, I just, you know, I just, uh, I don't have it together. She has it together. We We should just read this. And she starts off the conversation theologically. She's not even playing. If you start reading this text again, she goes, are you greater than our what? Than our father, right? Jacob. What she's saying here is this. This isn't just any water. This isn't just any well. This isn't just any other conversation. She came there to worship, not to get water. She came there because that is a place of worship. Other wells were other wells. When you come to this well, though, there's something deeper going there. Are you going to get water? Sure, you are. When she says, hey, 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 are you greater than Jacob? You You don't even have anything to draw water with. What she was saying here is is more than you and I understand. So what happens after that, right? She keeps on talking. If you don't believe me, look at this. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give them will what? Never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And a woman said to her, sir, give me this water. So I don't have to thirst and, I, and, 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 and have to keep coming here to draw water. She's still having a spiritual conversation. Why? Because if she, if she is Samaritan. Now, let me just explain why there's a difference between Samaritans and Jews. Jews were one big group. Then they had this massive exile, and the exile took a bunch of Jews out of Jerusalem and in, and in exiled into Babylon. In Babylon, they they took their traditions, their 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 uh, their four books, the Torah, which is the four books. But then they added on the prophets were there. They had all kinds. Daniel wrote a book, and Ezekiel wrote a book, and all that. All of those books were written in exile. But there was a group of people who lived and stayed in Jerusalem, who stayed in the home country. They weren't exiled. Those people eventually became the Samaritans. They were the Samaritans. those Jews were, they began involving other things. They wrote more of the Old Testament that we have. The, Jew, the, the Jews that stayed back called themselves Samaritans. They actually built a temple connected to this and they be, began to practice a very purist religion which meant was that they were only focused on and only believed and only practiced five books of the Torah. Those were it. They were focused on that. They began to set up their own structure. They began to set up their own thing. And, and, and historically, there were women, Samaritan women, who were leading Samaritan synagogues and temples. And they knew their stuff and they were proud of their stuff. And the the conversation and the conflict all the time, was between how you worship, who's more special, who's more pure. The Jews believed that, hey, the Messiah was going to come through them. The Samaritans like, no, no, we, we, we know the truth. We haven't changed the stuff. We're sticking to the purest thing. We're, we're kind of married to this kind of theology. So all this, he's having a conversation. They're talking about water. And when she says, are you greater than Jacob? You know what she was saying? She was saying, you know, and I know, which we didn't know, right? You know, and I know. That Jacob, and there's a myth that when Jacob came to this well, the water would always rise up to meet him. He never needed a bucket. And so when she said, so you greater than Jacob, she's saying, you need a bucket. You're not greater than him. So they're, all of a sudden, they're just having a theological conversation. What we've done is we're like, oh, no, no, she's this poor. She's this she, we're, we're talking surface. They're going in deep. Why? Because right after that, right after that, friends, Jesus brings up something which you might think, and I might think, "What was he talking about here?" He told her, "Go, call your what husband and come back." All of a sudden, Jesus goes, "Okay, let's talk about your love life." <laughs> what is happening? Well, if you took, a, if you think surface level, you're like, "Oh, that's exactly what's happening." But no, what is he saying when he says that? Well, she heard something else, and she said, "I have no husband," which we have been thought, like, oh, yeah, she's, she hasn't been, she had no husband. Why? Because then Jesus kind of clarifies to us why. Because he says, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you are, have right now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Okay, so then we go, right, that's why she's a shady lady. That's why she can't keep up, that's why she doesn't have a husband. But she never said she was married. She never said anything. If this If you start thinking that they're having a very spiritual conversation that that Samaritans and Jews know, the term husband is connected to what you are married to, what you've given you, you have a sense of identity to. And then he says, you have five husbands going back to the five books of the Torah. When you mention five, when there's a number, when Jesus throws out a number, he's not like um, uh, four or five. No, no, he knows what he's talking about. And he, she goes, it's not a deflection. It's not a deflection at all. Because what happens right after that? What happens right after that is she says, sir, the woman said, I see that you're a prophet. She is not deflecting either she's still having the same conversation. She says, our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we worship is in Jerusalem, right? Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. He's basically saying, listen, I know Samaritan people are not allowed in the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. I know that, I get that. And I know that you guys believe that this mountain is actually the place. I know this. I know you guys have been fighting all this. I know that people have been living their lives trying to search what a deep connection with God and they seem to be focused on places and not knowing who God truly is. And I'm telling you, I've come here and I'm going to tell you something that this is not the future. Here's the future. Here's the future. He says, believe me, a time is coming Well, you will worship Father, neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. Basically, he's talking about the conflict for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming. A time is coming that now and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Then he says, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, hey, okay, what about those husbands? No. The woman says, I know that Messiah, the Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus leans in and says, I, the one speaking to you, am he. This whole interaction has been a spiritual conversation. This whole interaction. And here's, here's what's crazy. Right after that, we, we read this. John 4, 29. She leaves what she was there for. She goes into town and she goes, Come see a woman, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah they came out of town and made their way towards him? So you're telling me, Naim, you're telling me that this this was more than just uh, one of those ladies or she? No, no. Yeah, yeah, I am. Because if it's, a, if, it's a, if it's a woman who doesn't have, who's an outcast, a woman who's marginalized, a woman who's like, ah, can't, you know, people are like, ah, I don't know about her, you know? Stay away from her. Relationships are tough. She's one of those EGRs. You guys know what that term means? Okay, for those of you who don't, don't don't know it, good, that's good. Okay, extra grace required. Anyways, okay, so you're like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's just stay away from that. Those are the kinds of people when they were like, hey, 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 let me tell you what's happening here. You go, yeah, 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 I'm not coming. I'm not coming. Who are the kind of people that when they say something, you're like, okay, I'll, I'll listen. Someone who's influenced you before. Someone you got th- truth before. It is so crazy for me to go, okay, this woman who just can't keep a marriage, who's kind of a shady lady, whatever, whatever. He doesn't have all that. All of a sudden goes into town, tells people, and everybody's like, yes, we believe. And then they come back. And the story has been, yes, they believe because it's Jesus. No, no. Like, just stay with the story. Like, what happened? Why did they all show up? They all show up. Then, here's what happens. She goes and does that. The disciples come back with food, and here's what happens. They're like, hey, hey, we we got food. And then Jesus, because he's still having a spiritual conversation, he says, my food, my food, in verse 34, he says, my food is to do what? The will of him who sent me to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? He says he's Jewish too. But he's like, Don't you have a saying? Okay. It's, it's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and the crop and the harvest and, and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. The, The disciples are like, what? I thought we were talking about food. And he's talking about, hey, you think I stopped here because I was thirsty? You think I I need food? You think what we're doing is just random? You think this is a random story? No, we're here for a purpose. This is Jacob's well. I just talked to this woman. She She is, some commentator says, she is a leader in the Samaritan synagogues. And she is going to be the first person, look it up, the first person that I'm going to directly say I'm the Messiah. Because when I tell her this, she is going to tell the world. And she she goes out and she does that exact, she does exactly, exactly that. Then we fast forward in the story. What happens? It says here, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. That woman? That woman? Yeah, that woman. Why? Because there's something about that woman. How is a woman who's so knowledgeable of Jewish theology, how is this This woman is having a debate with, the, with a rabbi? Because one rabbi and one synagogue leaders, they kind of know what's going on and they start having that conversation. He says, so many of them, had they, they came down, to town or they came to faith because of the testimony then he said the testimony was that he told me everything i've ever did which is not like he told me about all the men and all my relationships everybody talks about relationships everybody knows about that he says she's saying he told me my purpose. He told me what I've been married to my whole life. He told me, he knows everything about me. I'm telling you, that's the testimony. That's her story. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed with them for what? Two days. And because, and because of his words, um, many more became believers. They, they said to the woman, we no longer, this is crazy. They said, we no longer, we no longer believe just because of what you what? Said, why did they say that? I would say they said that because they're like, hey, we're used to listening from you. We're used to getting our information from you. We're used to that, but we just want to want you to know that it's not. It's more than that now. We we've heard it for ourselves, and we know this man is really the savior of the world. Now you might go name this is a stretch. This is such a stretch. Really? Well, just look her up. Just look her up. By the way, March 12th of this year, what were you doing? What was I doing? I can't even remember. No idea. March 12th. What's happening? Well, thousands of people, March 12th, Orthodox Christians, all over the world, March 12th this year, of this calendar, celebrated a Sunday. And this, that Sunday is the Sunday of the Samaritan woman. Her story did not end here. She goes back into town and she transforms her whole city. She starts a movement that's crazy. She was placed in a place. She was told directly. And then she goes on and tells her family, tells everybody else, tells everybody else, tells everybody else. And now in the history books, friends, just look her up. Okay, they, they found out her name, Fotina, and her, her family was one of the families that Emperor Nero um, tortured and killed. And again, in the history books, you've got Nero who killed so many Christians, who was who was like who is the symbol of like so much persecution for the early church. He killed her. Check this out by torture, but then by throwing her into a, oh, well. Her story was so much bigger than, oh, this woman, you know, random, random, random. No. No, 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 no. I don't know about you, but Jesus is not random with you. He's very intentional. So if you come here and you're here in this house of worship, you might have just come to just get a little, hey, pick me up. He wants to give you a little bit more. He wants to let you know that your story is not done. The reason why he has revealed to himself to you is because you are in a place to make such a difference that no one else will make. And so friends, so if you're struggling with a sense of purpose, I, I, he, he's like, you can be married to whatever, five careers if you want to. And the one and the and the side hustle you got going on—that's not working either. It's not giving you what you want. He says, "Yeah, yeah, it won't, because what you have, you need, and what the Father wants is a deep spiritual connection. And worship is connected to spirit and truth. It's a holistic thing. It's how you were created, and so He wants you to find purpose in the biggest story, and the biggest story is His story." So this woman leaves everything and begins to tell the story, the story. And God wants us to know that if you've ever find yourself in a spiritual well, he is meeting you in particular because he, number one, he knows you personally. He knows that and he'll meet you there. He'll meet you at the point and the place in the sense of worship. He'll meet you there. Whatever it looks like, he knows. He knows, and guess what? He knows everything you have done and everything that you will do and everything that you're capable of doing. He knows your potential. He sees you in the future. He sees the grown-up you. He sees the, un, un, uh, 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 the anxiety-free you. He sees the person who's struggling with a sense of like, I just am in this relationship. I just want to figure out. I just want to be married. I just want this. He sees the person who's freed up he sees that person unchained. He sees that person who, who doesn't struggle with like trying to like cope and try to figure out how to do this and take whatever can, you can take, legal or illegal, just to make it through the day. He sees the other side of that. And he, what he wants to give you is a is a purpose that will is connected to who you are. And he's inviting you, he's inviting me to do the same thing. But he's inviting you to. Be a part of something that's huge. And the biggest thing is, he wants to tell you, reveal to you who he is, so you would tell the world who he is. So if Jesus, in in, in any moment in, in prayer, during a time here, maybe in a conversation, maybe driving somewhere, where you've felt a sense of Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God who loves me. He wants you to tell that story because your story will transform people's lives. Nero basically wrote a letter to their family before they started uh, arresting them and torturing them and said, stop talking about this. Stop talking about Jesus. Stop telling the story. Stop it. And she was like, and their whole family was like, no, we got to tell the story. We got to tell the story. Isn't it crazy, though, to die in the place of worship? It started at a well and kind of ended in a well. Man, she's not just a shady lady. She's not just a... No. History acknowledges it. So what could you and I be invited into? What are you being invited into? So I talk about this primer marker. And for, for me and you, um, I want to invite you to do something. And some of you guys who are part of us, you've already you got the email. You know what we're talking about. Maybe you saw it online. And what we want to do at the end of this service, at this time together, is I want to invite you to go through uh, those doors. And I'm going to show you a slide right here, really quick, to explain um, what it looks like, okay? So this is Mosaic. This is where we are right now, okay? that's the bounce house, which is actually across the way, okay? Our youth space, Mosaic Youth, is over there. Right next to it is a future place that we, we know and we believe that um, we're, we're going to step into. This Mosaic Gymnasium is in the middle right there, and that we are building out. We're starting it, but before we start it, we want you to leave a mark there. And then we have also Mosaic multi-use uh, space that we have attained, as well as connected, and that's kind of over there. I'm gonna go directionally. I'm just gonna go all over the place, and then the next one over there, the future one that we're looking at right now as well. Now, why are we trying to do do, do this? World domination. Okay, <laughs> that's what we're doing. That's it. No, um, we believe that these that this place for us has been very strategic that we are called to build in, one sense, a well for people to come to meet God in a very particular way where the water actually rises up to meet them, where um, there's a space that people come to. Um, and I mean, we've talked about this. It's like a, that, that's, that's a, that's a heavenly embassy in the middle of a foreign country because the scriptures tell us that we are like foreigners living in this world. And we are citizens of the, end of the world. But what we can create, though, is we can create heavenly embassies, wells, if you will, um, that allow people to rush in and come and be a part. And so before we do that, in any project, every project of us, of ours, we have come in and written out scriptures and, and uh, thoughts and prayers on each of the walls. So every wall here, every wall in all our spaces have scripture, have prayers, have hope written in them. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for us. I want to pray and invite you to dig deeper into your story, spiritual story, and ask God for a deeper purpose. I want you, uh, when we sing this song, to walk out. If, you, if you're available, I mean, if, if you didn't know about this and you're brand new and you're like, I'm not quite sure, uh, you don't have to. If you're brand new and you're like, man, I'm down for this, okay, um, then definitely you can do that. So we're going to sing one song and then Pastor Christian will come up and kind of give you directions and then we'll walk out. Um, We'll go there. We'll um, take about maybe five, 10 minutes, max, uh, pray. You guys can write whatever you want to. And then uh, we'll do our benediction, which again, if you're new, we end with the benediction. We'll do the benediction there. Cool. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for this conversation. God, thank you that, that God, when you interact with people, we're just, it's not just people. It's a particular kind of person. God, thank you that when you look at me and you look at us, we're just not another person. We are, we are who we are. God, you don't love the world. You love Naeem. God, you didn't just die for the world. No, you died for Naeem. You don't reveal yourself to the world. No, you revealed yourself to Naeem, to me. So, God, I pray that that reality would really, truly capture us. God, it's, it's, it's our stories, our, our particular experiences with you that transform people's lives. So, God, I pray that we have the power. Do you have the courage, the audacity to just tell the story? A story that's still being written. God, speak to us. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.